find me in the valley Standing with my hands held high The valley will never take my song Find me in the desert Holding on to you for life The desert will never take my song Oh, the desert will never take my song And I will praise you
Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. He alone is worthy. Thank you, God. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Looking forward to being in the house of the Lord. And now that I'm in the house of the Lord, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with all of you. Amen. God is up to something. God is up to something. And if you will trust him, you will get to see what he's up to. Amen. If you follow him, you will get to know what he's up to. Hallelujah. I mentioned to you the other day about um, the four most important things that a church needs to do in order to be a strong church, an effective church, and a church that will please the Lord. And that is prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and great church services, meaning praise and worship and loving people. Those things are essential to a church being effective. We have to do everything that we can, everything that is within us, which includes the Holy Ghost. We have to do everything that's within us to be sure we're a part of that. We need to be a part of praying without ceasing. We need to be a part of evangelizing, witnessing, reaching out. We need to be a part of uh, discipleship, making sure when people come to church. We are, we are supposed to know who are new by now and be able to befriend them. You might hit it off. Great. You might not hit it off. You still love them anyhow. But if you hit it off to the point where you feel like, man, I can help to disciple them in a private way, then you disciple them. But we need to disciple people and we need to make sure we are the ones that's part of the praise and the worship whenever we're in the house of the Lord. So it's important to all of us that if we want to see our church be a powerhouse where the, 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 the possibilities of reaching our family members that are lost, the possibilities of reaching our communities and doing what God is pleased with. If we want those things to happen, then we got to do what we just talked about. And so it's important. Before I get going... Um, let me get some preliminaries out the way. Tonight, we have with us uh, minister and brother in the Lord, Bradley Guthrie. Some of you know Bradley for some time. Bradley is like family to me. I knew about Bradley before Bradley knew about Bradley. <laughs> Him and his brother. And so Bradley used to attend Rehoboth Church down on East State Street for a while. And then he started attending um, Apostolic Tabernacle of Irvington. Um, all of his move from Rehoboth to um, Irvington was due to his school, and he started going to school up that way. And um, he started attending church up there. He got blessings from his pastor from Rehoboth. He's always done things right and legit. He doesn't church hop. He doesn't jump around. He got permission from his pastor. I'm in Trenton to go to Irvington, and I spoke to his pastor in Irvington the other day um, saying that he will be a part of Christ Center Church now. So I want you to welcome Brother Bradley. 
Amen. He's been, he's been in the church all his life, and um, he loved God. And um, the, the good thing about um, Bradley is um, he has submitted. You go to um, both places where he serves. Um, he submits. Um, he's a steward, uh, a student, I should say, of the word of God. And he loved the word of God. And even when he was in Rehoboth, um, they weren't a part of the United Pentecostal Church in the national organization. But Bradley said, certainly did act like he was a part of the United <laughs> Church International. So he went to all of our conferences, and he was just all in, just in the middle of all that UPCI uh, does. So he's very familiar with um, our organization and um, what we're all about. So this is nothing new to him, but I wanted to give him an official introduction to you. So when you see him, you won't ask, what's going on here? You know, who's this new guy that's coming around? And so um, I love him up. Um, he's got a lot, um, Brother William said to me, um, you know, he's got a lot to um, offer the local congregation. Um, he's a servant of God, so I'm sure we'll incorporate him into uh, ministry and have him um, work with um, some of our ministries because God has equipped him to do that. So we thank God for that, and uh, we just continue to move along. I want you to pray with me tonight because the topic that I will begin to talk about for the next, I don't know, two, three, maybe four weeks um, is going to challenge you. Um, but there's no time like now to begin to challenge you and to teach you and instruct you in the word of God in such a way. And so we need to get into what God will have us to get into and so we're going to be teaching um, a series for the next two, three, four weeks, depending on how the Lord go. He might want to take it six weeks. However long the Lord will direct us, that's what we will do. And so I would like for you to pray, prepare your heart and your mind, and um, let God begin to guide you and direct you as we get into his word tonight. Will you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you the honor and you the praise. We're so grateful we're thankful to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Oh, God, we have great expectation of what you will do in us and in the midst of us. Lord, we want no distraction. We want to be so focused and attentive to what you're saying to us, to what you're doing in the midst of us, that, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom will manifest in the midst of us tonight, Lord God. Lord, we surrender our will. We submit to your authority. And we ask, Almighty God, that you have your way tonight in our thoughts and deeds. We ask for the Holy Ghost to overshadow us tonight, Lord God. And there will be a move of your spirit in the midst of us. Lord, I pray that the gifts of the spirit will operate. And, oh God, your will be done. Will you speak to us, Lord God? Will you speak, Lord God, that we may hear as you will have us to hear? Will you touch the hearts of each and every one of us? That as the word of God come forth, Lord God, it will take root into our heart. It will grow and produce the kind of fruit that you will have us to produce. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we ask that you reveal the mysteries of the scriptures. And that, oh my God, the gifts of the spirit will operate in a mighty way. Lord, we don't want to leave this place the same way. But we want a change to come to us 
a supernatural change, a divine change from the power of the Holy Ghost. Have your way, Lord Jesus. We look to you, Lord God, the Alpha and Omega. Oh, God, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last, Lord God, the author and finisher of our faith. We look to you, oh, great God, to say, have your way, Lord God, to speak to us, Lord Jesus, to bind us together in unity and to move among us, Lord God, in a supernatural way. Lord, we love you. Oh, God, we bless your holy name. For the Lord is good, your mercy everlasting, your truth endureth unto all generation. I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Oh, Jesus, we're thankful tonight to be among the number. We're thankful to be in the midst of the people of God. We're thankful to be in the presence of the Lord. We're thankful, Lord, to be Oh God, a worshiper of God. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, that we're here tonight and we celebrate you. We bless your name, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, for those that are watching, uh, are a part of the service via live stream, our online congregation, uh, will you speak to their hearts tonight? Uh, will you move on them in a special way, Lord, uh, that all will receive from you tonight all that you have in store for them? Oh, God, we lift our hands. We lift our hearts. We honor you, Lord God. We praise your name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. Pray with me for the Henry family. Lord, I pray tonight for Sister Henry's mother, Lord. I pray that your miraculous touch, Lord God, will go out upon her, Lord God, and that by your stripe, Lord God, you will touch Sister Henry's mother from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, and that she will be made whole by the power of the Spirit of God. By the Spirit of God, Lord, I pray her healing tonight by the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. I command her to be healed in her body. Behold right now in the name of, of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One more time. Let us clap onto the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Feel like the heat is on in here. Not, not not just the air condition not working, like the heat is on. And so, one of the things that have changed for you that don't know, remember um, the fire stations used to all be separate, and um, they merged January one of twenty twenty one. And so now it's more red tape to get stuff done. <laughs> so when, when they were all separate, it's just a couple people. You know, you communicate up to a couple of people and, you know, the guy around the way that knows about the system come right on over and fix it. But now when you make it an organization, 
then now you got to go through different levels before you can get anything done. And so the air condition is broken and we don't know when it's going to get fixed. So either the Lord get them to fix it or the Lord make winter come quick. Whichever one. I'm good with whichever one. Either get fixed quick or winter come real quick. And now we don't have to worry about um, air anymore. But I apologize for the situation. All the more reason why we work hard towards getting ourselves where we can control the air and the heat. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be ungrateful. I thank God for being here. And um, every once in a while, you know, it's all right to be uncomfortable. You know, just got to trust the Lord and what he wants to do. You have your Bibles or you have smart device or you want to look on the screen. Will you turn with me to Matthew chapter four? We're going to start in verse number 17, Matthew chapter four. Maybe we'll show the video at the end of service. Maybe we'll wait till Sunday. I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 17. Don't be too hot that you don't hear me tonight. <laughs> people, people, people were in challenging situations when they had need, and they never let the uh, challenging situations get in the way of their needs. So, Depending on what you think you need or what's more important to you, your need that Jesus will come in your life or speak to you or give you instructions or that you're hot. Every once in a while, you got to challenge yourself, Brother D. You know, you're, you're an athlete. You know how we go. Every once in a while, there's some challenging things to test whether or not you are who you say you are. <laughs> compared with you know 106 degrees outside and you guys have these helmets on and hitting uh, I know I need to get a whole lot of athletes saved they get, it's, it's good to get the athletes and they're so disciplined and the stuff that they put up with man living for Jesus got to be a cakewalk because <laughs> the stuff they put themselves through to be who they are especially at a professional level co- collegiate level too I mean they put themselves through a lot of stuff So they'll make good Christians because they already understand the discipline. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verse number 17. You don't have to stand. We'll read this slowly. We'll read it slowly. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. But we're not going to ask all of you to stand. No big deal here because there's so much that we're going to talk about. We'll be on this for weeks probably. (laughs) Let me read Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men and they straightway left their nets and followed him and going on from thence he saw other two brethren James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. I'm going to talk to you for the next few weeks on this topic, the call, simply the call. The call. Mm-hmm. Jesus called him. Didn't, didn't he call him? You read that? He just went about just calling. Come on. I, I didn't read anywhere where he twisted any arms. Didn't read anywhere where he begged anybody. Didn't read anywhere where he was forcible. He just called. So we'll talk about the call for a little bit. The western shore of the Sea of Galilee was a busy district. Through this district ran the great caravan roads and several important towns gathered all kinds of tradesmen. The valuable fishings in the lake gave employment to many. Aristocrats, soldiers, tax gatherers, Watching the caravans and fishery, fishermen, women, reputable and disreputable, filled with the shore, with movement and life. So this was just a busy area. Whole lot was going on. A lot of happenings. You could say it probably was the busiest area in that region. And with all of this happening, Jesus showed up. And seeing all the multitude when he showed up, he recognized that, you know what? It's time for me to select laborers to help me reap my harvest. He showed up where it was happening. He showed up where it was busy. Huh. Huh. He showed up where things were happening. And that's where he called. These men that were not his disciples yet, they weren't apostles yet. He showed up and he called unto them. We need to show up some places. We, we, we need to show up some places as opposed to just thinking that, okay, since now that we're Christians and the Bible said we need to be sanctified and the Bible says, we must separate ourselves, you know, come out from among them and be ye separate. Because we have those scriptures, we tend to find ourselves isolated. And that is not the will of God. If we read how Jesus operated, he didn't isolate himself because he realized who he was and the need that he provided for people. And if he isolated himself from them, how will their need ever be met? So for all the people we encounter, for all the places we don't go, 
and the people we encounter never say a word. How will their need be met? How will they hear except there's a preacher? And I know we want to think that the preacher is the one that's standing up in the pulpit in front of the congregation. But we'll get into it more and show you that when you answer the call, you're answering the call to preach. Uh-oh, some got quiet. <laughs> I ain't no preacher. I wish sometimes we would have the opportunity, D. I know this is not possible. But if we could just get a chance to interview these men of God that he had chosen and see that they were just regular people. Because somehow when we read the Bible, we somehow put this imagination in our mind of these super people. Like, like they were so just super and outstanding and they were just on some other level. And that's why the Lord chose to call them because there was something special about them. And we never stopped to think they might be quiet and don't like to say a whole lot. We don't want to think like that. Those kind of people got called. We want to think all of them, they just like to talk. They might be reserved. They might be shy. He calls different kind of people. Because here is something you need to know if you haven't already figured it out. We're all attracted to people that we can relate to. So if he called one kind of people, he wouldn't reach everybody. So that's clear to us if we want to get into the word of God that he had to call different kinds of people. I continue to say that Peter was just so, uh, he was just unstable. He was just impetuous. He was just, you know, quick to respond. He probably wasn't disciplined a whole lot. Yeah, he was a fisherman, so he had some discipline. But I, I, I think he, he would snap on people real quick. I, I think he opened his mouth before he could even think. But he got called. Matthew was a tax collector. You had to be one that, you know, kind of probably act like you're tough. You're going to pay me that money. You're kind of late. You're going to bring that money over here next week. So Matthew had to have some kind of personality like that, that you want to pay him. You don't want to owe him. But if we can go on and on and on and we can look at all of the, 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 the people that he called that they might have had different kind of personality. Everybody wasn't boisterous. Everybody wasn't uh, just outgoing. Everybody wasn't just talkative. Everybody was different. And so when he called us, he's calling us, so in some way, shape, or form, we're going to have to communicate this gospel in the way that we can. All of us. And not just some of us. You ever wonder, why did Jesus call these fishermen to become followers? Why did he call these fishermen why did he call these men to become followers? Remember, he's all-knowing. He's God Almighty in the flesh, and he knows everything, so he doesn't do stuff just kind of trying to feel it out. 
You and I, I'm not sure, but I let me feel this out. Jesus don't have to feel anything out. He knows everything. Why did he call these men? Well, for one, these men, in case you didn't know, were disciples of John the Baptist. (laughs) They had an internal desire for God already. (laughs) And, 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 And if they were disciples of John the Baptist, it meant they learned something about the Lord. It meant that they have some understanding about the Lord, that, that one day the Messiah was going to come and, and the Messiah would be the savior of them. And so they had an understanding to expect and to anticipate more than what was going on at the time. So they were looking out for something more than what they had. Church, I'm here to tell you, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to live for God, you can't just be comfortable where you are. You can't just be okay with what's going on. you got to have an expectation to say, there is so much more. There's so much beyond me and what God wants to do in my life. There is so much more. And where I am today, that ain't the whole story. That is not everything. God has so much more that he wants to do with me and do through me. So I'm going to trust him and I'm going to wait on him with great anticipation. They were waiting on the Messiah because John the Baptist, who was a good forerunner for Jesus, had to share some things with them to say, hey, you know, the Messiah is coming. But for right now, I'm doing my thing because I'm his forerunner. And so when Jesus came and called them, He knew what he was doing. He knew they already had an internal hunger. They already had an internal desire. So I'm calling them because there's something already in them. One of the reasons why we're not seeing a lot of people, oh, hear the gospel and respond right away is because there had not been a whole lot of seed planted. There had not been a whole lot of people telling them about Jesus. There had not been a whole lot of people just sowing some seeds and preparing them. So when they finally hear something else that's extraordinary, they will say, oh, you know what? I've heard about that. I've been hearing about that. I need to know. So let me follow. We're not planting the seed. We're not saying anything. And so people are so cold. They're so absent of, of, of from the Lord and don't have anything to go off. So when if we approach them these days, it's almost like, okay, I'm just hearing this for the first time. I've told you many times that so many people are out there and they don't know how to be saved. They can't explain to someone how they can be born again, how they will get to heaven, how do they become a child of God, how they become a part of the body of Christ. Nobody can tell them that and they're wondering. And so when they hear something, they're hearing it probably for the first time because enough apostolics is not out there spreading this word. The only thing that they get worried about is the end time. Somehow they always know that. Like, yeah, I know God's coming back. So when when pandemic break out, does that mean that we're in the end time? When when 9-11 happened, does that mean that we're in the end time? When these big disasters happen, they say, does that mean we're in the end time? So they know that one day Jesus is coming back. But there is too much of a gap. They know about being born. They know about Jesus coming back. But what's going on in the middle? And we got to give that to them uh, so they will get to a place where they understand uh, we need to know this Jesus and stop worrying about when he's coming back. The 
listen to me, church. I told you the, 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 the Pentecostals, a lot of them that I know that know the Bible very well, um, they joke within themselves and some get even not jokey but a little upset about um, when the rapture will take place. We had the people that says there will be the rapture will take place before the tribulation. We have people that said the rapture will take place in the middle of the tribulation. We have people that said the rapture will take place after the tribulation. The bottom line is we don't know exactly when Jesus will come back, but we know he's coming back. Well, guess what? I never got caught up in what is, when is he coming? Is it post? Is it pre? Is it mid? To me, it doesn't matter because if I keep my eyes on him, if I stay focused on Jesus, whenever he comes, he comes. I want to be ready when he comes. And so my focus is I want to be ready when he comes. And we need to tell the world we don't know when he's coming, but he can come any day now. And we want to be ready when he comes. We must be born again of the water and of the spirit to ever have a chance of going with him when he comes. We got to get it out there. We got to get it out there. And too often we're in church and we're enjoying the blessings of God. We had a wonderful church service this past Sunday. God moved. The presence of God was in here. The power of God was in here. And the, 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 the praise singers did great. And everything just went well. And so I'm thankful. But the question is, are we getting people to come in? Are we introducing people to this that we are enjoying? Or we're just going to keep it to ourselves and just just keep saying we're struggling every day we can't keep this to ourselves we can't keep this to ourselves i can't tell you enough that if you don't do what jesus said to do what you're trying to protect you will lose what you're trying to protect you will lose and if that means you're trying to protect being saved you can lose out on your salvation by not doing what jesus said to do They had something in them already. And it's time, church, we start putting something in people right now. Right? Some plant, some water, God gives the increase. But we got to start putting stuff in them. We got to start telling that Jesus Christ is God Almighty in the flesh. Don't you take that for granted. People need to know that. So the day when God wants to give them a revelation of who he is, it will just click. And they will say, you know, yeah, I see it now. I understand it now. And so when they receive the revelation, they will get it. Why? Because the seed was planted because we told them that Jesus Christ is God. There is no trinity. There is one God. He manifested himself that we might see him and know him. There is no three separate co-equal gods there is one god and his name is jesus and we got to keep saying that and we got to keep telling that and we got to keep telling people they got to be born again of the water of the spirit so they can hear it plant the seed they might not listen the first time but it gets rooted lodged somewhere in their heart and so while it's there lodging somebody else will come by and begin to share with them and it might click so that's what happened with these uh, men of God, that they were doing their normal business of how they feed their family, and they were doing it. But when Jesus came, he already know, he already knew there was a seed planted. So when he said, come, yo, I think this could be, yo!
Shaheen was telling me this evening that the whole world on pandemic, right? <laughs> this, this is interesting. You know, when you go across the world and <laughs> we're still talking about the same pandemic, you're like, I don't remember ever living in this, in this world where the whole world is going through the same thing. But anyway, so, so we're talking about in Jamaica how to shut down. You know, they, they, they have days where they just do complete shutdown, no movement, right? And so he was telling me about a barber that they go to. And he was saying, man, the barber, you know, when it got really bad, the barber will have like about 12 people in the barbershop and lock the shop up. And the whole plaza looked like it was locked down, but about 12 people was inside the shop. And he said, because he said the barber was that good. He said the barber was that good, people would go in the shop. I said, so how they get out? You know, the cops watching or anything. He said, they peep out. They don't see anything. Then you just got to duck through and take shortcuts and get out of there. And you got your hair cut. But he said, people did that because the barber was so good. And he said, when the barber started out, ready for this? Because this is the... <laughs> the gist of the story. He said when the barber started out, a lot of people didn't know about him. But everybody started bringing their friends. Everybody, when they went, they when they came back and people said, man, that's a fresh cut. Yeah, it's so-and-so. Come with me next time. Because when barbers get busy, they don't take everybody. They only take their people. Right. They get so busy. If you go to a real busy barber and you walk off the street, you can't get a cut because that barber got stuff lined up. And his people that normally get their cut. They're first in line. And so you might be waiting three, four hours, five hours waiting for a slot so you can slide in and you might never slide in. But what happened was that barber showed up and he started cutting good. And the people that was checking out, checking them out, got the cut. They were bringing others. I said, man, Shane. That's really what it was about from the very beginning is when we learn about something good is when we experience something good. We brought somebody along the next time so they can check it out so they can experience that same goodness that we got. And we come to church and now we don't want to do it. And for some of us, we might do it, but we, we give up easy. Yeah, I told him a couple times. You know what awaits people? If they never say yes to your invitation. So a couple times is not it. You know, there are people today that have jobs and their job is to call people and try to get them to buy something. And 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 when they make the first call in the morning and you said, please don't call me back, I'm, I'm not interested. You think they stop working? OK, OK, just checking. OK. They don't stop working. The 25th person that didn't accept the, 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 the invitation to buy it, they don't stop working. They keep working. So why would us, the children of God that understand that eternity waits, await everyone. And for the ones that do not accept the call of Christ, their eternal life is going to be wicked. It's going to be destructive. And we shouldn't wish that on our worst enemy. We should not wish hell on our worst enemy because hell wasn't created for humans. So don't tell me I told them a couple of times, but they just they just so caught up. They just caught up in the world. Here is what you need to do. 
I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I got to slide this in since we're here. Here's what you need to do. You need to be praying for them, for, for, for their heart to be prepared. So when you finally ask them again, the third and the fourth and the fifth and the, and the 20th time, you, you prayed so much that one day they say, yes, yes. But something was already in those men. That's why Jesus called them. Come on, guys, let's go. They immediately left what they were doing and followed Jesus. They were to be prepared for their next work of the kingdom of God, of preaching the gospel. If you think this is all you're going to be, then you'll probably never do nothing for Jesus. Those men even though they were fishermen, they were anticipating something more in life. They were anticipating that there was something more that I would do, especially concerning the kingdom of God. And if we are just around thinking this is all it's ever going to be, we are mistaken. I don't care what your age is. I don't care how long you've been around or how short you've been around. The bottom line is Jesus has a place for every one of us. He didn't call us because he didn't have anything better to do. He called us because he has a place for us. He has a purpose for us. And we cannot sit complacent and think this is all I'm ever going to do. I'm just going to be a praise singer. I'm just going to work audiovisual. I'm just going to come to Sunday school. I'm just going to be a part of the church uh, just by showing up uh, but this is all I'm ever going to do church uh, you're mistaken uh, because there are people that can testify that when they showed up uh, in the church uh, they had no clue they were just trying to get saved uh, and when they started out trying to get saved uh, oh you know something got a hold of them uh, and when something got a hold of them uh, they started saying what is next uh, what is more uh, God what do you have planned for me uh, because they started seeing the power of God. They started feeling something uh, that they hadn't felt uh, and so they just kept going uh, but they only came uh, to get saved. There are men and women that came to church for a girlfriend or for a boyfriend and guess what? They preachers now. They first ladies now. They evangelists now. They missionaries now. But they came to church for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. God has something plan special for every one of us and we got to know it and know where you are is not where God is going to leave you. We get so content and comfortable and start telling ourselves what's the use because we don't have patience and we think every day repeating the same thing is profiting you nothing. For those of you that's been getting up with us 5 a.m. praying Monday through Friday, if you really been praying, you know something different is going on in your spirit. <laughs> you know something different. I said the easiest way I can help you to understand is if you are a runner like Matthew, if, 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 if you work out, lift weights, whatever it is, if you used to work out, if you used to run, and then you stop running, you don't feel like running no more. And you don't run as much anymore. Same thing with the weights. If you used to lift weights 
and you stop lifting it. You don't want to lift anymore. You kind of started feeling yourself not being the same anymore. But if you decide I'm going to start back up running again, I'm going to start back up lifting again. Guess what? You have to start doing it and doing it. The first week, the second week, you're still not back in the groove like you used to be. It might take you about three weeks before you start feeling like you used to feel back when you were doing it all the time. And when you begin to pray, I don't care if it's make just every day being consistent, whether it's 15 minutes, whether it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45, an hour. When you begin to pray, it's almost like you're starting to feel your strength coming back. You're starting to feel, oh, something different is happening. If you want to equate it to exercise, it now becomes a little easier for you. You'll feel a little bit more fluent. And if it's lifting weights, you want to equate it to that, you start feeling a little stronger. You want to lift a a little bit more weights, you know, because something different is happening. And while it might seem like it's no big deal, we're just praying in the morning, something is happening in your spirit, whether you know it or not. Listen, people that don't see you every day notice your children growing better than you do. the child has gotten so big they only see them every two or every three months or whatever you see them every day you can't even realize every once in a while you said yeah they're growing but us that don't see that child all the time we see a big growth spurt like whoa so you might not see the growth you're experiencing when you're doing what you're supposed to do, but please don't let the devil discourage you. Don't let the devil tell you nothing is happening. Don't let the devil tell you to stop praying. You keep on doing it because something is happening in your life. They immediately left what they were doing and followed Jesus. They were to be prepared for the work of the kingdom that was ahead, preaching the gospel. For this purpose, they must live with Jesus and see how he works and learn his mind and his method. So we like to talk about they followed him. One of the reasons why they followed him, Brother D, is back then when you're going to be the disciple of uh, a rabbi, When you're going to be a disciple, you had to be with them because you're trying to study them. You're trying to learn about them. You're trying to understand their tendencies. And so they followed Jesus because they needed to learn his tendencies. They need to understand how he does things, how he thinks, how his mind works, the method of the things that he used when he when he does things. And so they followed him, paying attention. We just show up. I know Jesus is not here, so we say he's not here. We've got his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Y'all know the Bible. So you might not have the physical Messiah here tonight and every day with you, but every time you read this thing and you do what it says, you're following Jesus. Every time you read this thing and you do what it says, you're following Jesus. Maybe not in person, but you're following him according to his word. And he cannot be separated from his word. Him and his word, one, same. So when you follow the word of God, obeying it by living it out, 
you're following Jesus. But here is the deal. We just read because we're supposed to read and we don't realize that we have to read and begin to apply what we read in our life every day. That's our way of following Jesus because we need to learn his method, his principles, his ways, his, 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 how he operates. We have to learn that about him if we're going to do and be what he called us to do. The question is, are we doing that? But that's what the disciples were doing when they followed him. They were learning about him. They were trying to understand him. They were trying to see how he processed and understand why he does the things that he do. That's what they were doing. That's what following Jesus meant. And so today, if we're going to follow him, we're going to have to try these things. Remember, I told you a long time ago when I came into church and I realized everybody was going to the preacher for the preacher to lay hands on them. I read in the Bible that, you know, people are laying hands on people and they weren't really necessarily the preacher. And so I decided I'm going to lay hands on myself. Because I'm saying if God is no respect of person, why am I going to not lay hands on myself? Right. But all I was doing was practicing the word. All I was doing was seeing what the word says and then do it. That's how you follow Jesus. But we can't just read the Bible and just say, well, I read my scriptures for the day. <laughs> mm. A lot of Christians do that. I read my scriptures for the day. A lot of scriptures, a lot of Christians. I prayed today. We can't do that. That's religious. It's not godly. Reading the scriptures for the day, praying for the day, for just saying that you did it, that's religious. Praying to connect with Jesus, that's godly. Reading the Bible to implement those things in your life that you read and begin to do them, that's godly. So you're going to have to ask yourself, are you religious or godly? Because if you just do it just to as the chores that you need to do before you leave the house, then you're religious. When we answer the call of God with a yes and follow him, everything changes in the way we live among in, in the way we live our life moving forward. When we follow Jesus, everything changes in our life. We can't follow Jesus and everything stays the same. We're not following Jesus if we follow him, quote unquote, and everything stays the same. Go ask those men that followed him. Did everything stay the same? They was busted after that. No money. <laughs> Some of us, when we need a job real bad, we say, you know, I know I got to work on Sundays, but I need to eat. I got to feed my family. Go talk to those fishermen. How did they feed their family? <laughs> they fed their families by fishing. But when they decided to follow Jesus, they didn't have time to fish like they used to. I don't know how much money was coming in after that, but it wasn't the same amount of money. They might have still fish every once in a while. I don't know, but it wasn't like before. Or they might not have fished anymore, but your life changes. 
when you answer the call to follow Jesus. And many of us want to answer the call and nothing changed in our life. Ain't possible. Ain't possible. I need to say it that way. Ain't possible. So if everything is all smooth and good in your life, you ain't following Jesus probably. Because it means you're in control and you're dictating and making the shot calls in your life. And so you know everything. And so you just do what you feel. But if your life is kind of, you know, uncomfortable, you're following Jesus. Luke relates that Jesus stimulated the faith of these fishermen by miraculous drought of fishes. Whenever Jesus called you, you ever notice, this is interesting, when you first get saved, you probably realize it's like you and Jesus is like tight. It's almost like everything you ask him, he do it. It's like you can pray the prayers of faith and man, boom, everything just happens. And you start looking at the Christian that's been living for God for a while and says, man, I'm really saved. I don't know if they saved, but I'm really saved because Jesus answering me. Little secret, little secret. He does that to prove himself to you. <laughs> so when you just start walking with him, he got to let you know you can trust him. When you just start walking with him, he shows you who he is and what he can do so you will trust him. The ones that's been living for him for a long time, they should already know they can trust him. And so they got to do it a little bit different. But the ones that just come, they're just squared up, just, oh, God, and they're babies, and they don't know a whole lot, and they act out of ignorance in many ways. But God helped them because they're babes. And he got to prove to them. I am who I am. When he called the disciples, look what he did when he called the disciples. Let's look at a different text. He's proving to them, you can trust me and follow me. Watch what he does. In Luke chapter 5, verse number 4. In Luke chapter 5, verse number 4, the scripture says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. That's a whole sermon right there. At thy word, I will do. Verse 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter realized at that point, this is the Messiah that we've heard about. Because we expert fishermen. Nobody knows the seas like us. Nobody knows how to catch the fishes like us. Nobody knows how to. We are experts here. And we have toiled all night, caught nothing. As a matter of fact, it's a drought. There's nothing. Yo, 
Set down the net on that side right there. Drop it down. And you'll catch some fish. And he just kind of did it nonchalantly and kept moving. And Pete and his boys dropped down the net. It got still. They couldn't pull it in. They had to call others. Help us! There was enough fish for Pete and his boys and for some others. And Pete realized, get down. Get down. Go back down. Sit back there somewhere. And Pete realized the net was filled and had his friends come and help him. And they had enough fish for everybody. I'm here to tell you, when Jesus calls you, he will prove to you who he is and what he can do. If we don't follow him, it's only because we don't want to. We will not be able to stand before God during judgment time and come up with any excuses. Because he will always show us that he's God Almighty and show us what he can do. We just have to make sure we make a decision. Are we going to follow him or not follow him? But he will prove to us that he's God Almighty. I know he shows you all in your different ways that he's God Almighty. But it's up to you whether you're going to follow him or not. It's up to you if you're going to whine because he doesn't do everything that you want after you have proven that he really is God Almighty. We start whining when he doesn't do stuff when he's already proven to us he's God Almighty. So when he doesn't do it, maybe we need to stop and say he knows everything. And so no need for me to whine. Maybe he knows everything or I know he knows everything. And so I need to just wait on him because he has proven to me already that he's God Almighty. What am I fussing about? I just got to wait upon the Lord because he knows what's best for me instead of getting frustrated. Instead of talking about, I don't know, instead of, uh, you know, I've been waiting for the Lord to do this. He ain't never did this. He knows what he's doing. Verse 9 says, after Pete did all that, for he was astonished and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee which were partners with Simon, and Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. He says, you ready for this? What Jesus was really saying, you know, Jesus didn't know how to stunt. It just wasn't in him. You know, we, we, we stunt a little bit. What Jesus was stunting on was really saying, you're supposed to be an expert fisherman. You couldn't catch any fishes. Who am I? And I told you how to catch fishes. So if I told you how to do your profession better than you, when I tell you to come do what I tell you to do, how much more and how greater will I show you who I am? Because I'm showing you how to do your job better than you. Now I'm telling you to come do my job. How much better will you be at the job that I'm calling you to do? Even when you're doing yours, I'm still outdoing you. He outdid Pete. What Pete thought he was an expert at. So he says, come now, because I'm going to make you fishers of men. What was Peter's excuse? Well, Lord, he had no excuse, because the Lord showed him. Almighty God in flesh, the Messiah you've been waiting on. I helped you out with that load of fish. Probably that load of fish 
<laughs> now here go me put myself in there now. Probably that load of fish was good enough to feed his family for probably about a half a year. So that gave him the time now to go follow Jesus. His family had a little bit of money because that was a lot of fish. So maybe Jesus allowed him to catch all that just so he can have some money to give to his wife and his family so they can eat good for the next few months when he's gone with the Messiah. Who knows? And so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto them, fear not, henceforth thou shalt catch men. And verse, verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They forsook all and followed him. Hmm. Church, I don't know what happened to that. Maybe that's one of the things the old timers did that we didn't do. And while we're struggling and them with very little was doing so much better than us. The old timers did better than us. We've got more. I was <laughs> I was talking to my father-in-law the other day. And we were just talking about how nowadays people are smarter. I said, man, the generations today are so much smarter than your generation and the generation after you. He said, yep, so true. And we going and we going. And, of course, he got to take a shot. My father-in-law, you know, like to talk slick. He said, yeah, they so smart that they just fools. All that education they got and all of this stuff that they know, what they doing with it. He says, us old timers, we did a whole lot with nothing. And then I said, I wonder what would happen if you were smart like them. He says, you know what? We probably would have been stupid, too. I'm glad I wasn't smart like them. <laughs> he said, I'm glad I wasn't smart like y'all today. Let me be stupid. Because he had some family um, members, brothers and sisters, stepbrothers and sisters. They went to you know, college and had great education and all the kind of stuff. And he says, none of them turned out to be better than me as far as what they accomplished in life. So he he was one that swear by, I don't need a whole lot of education. Just give me some good old common sense and I'll get some stuff done. (laughs) Not saying that's true for everybody. What I'm saying is we get knowledge and we get understanding and it just seems like we're not doing better than the folks that was way behind us with less knowledge and less understanding. So we got to That's something that we got to deal with and say, why aren't we doing better? Why aren't we more accomplished than them when we know more? We have more, but they seem to have done more. With what they had. What we have should double and triple what they do. What they did. But we can't say that. We can't say that. So the question is we got to ask ourselves. Why is that not happening to us? And part of it is. The old timers that served God. When they went to church and got Jesus. They forsake everything. They did. They did. All they did was focus on Jesus. All they did was sell out for Jesus. All they did was live for Jesus. And of course, sometimes people call them idiots and fools and all the kind of stuff they call them because that's what happened. When you sell out for Jesus, people start looking at you like something is wrong with you. Uh-huh. They think you're slow. They think you're ignorant and you ain't got a lot of sense because who can live their life like that? But that's all right. I read in the scripture that the foolish things, uh, the, 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 the things of this world is foolishness to God. And so guess what? I'm not trying to impress this world because I already know if you're impressive in this world to God is foolishness. So I'm not worried about that. 
And you don't need to worry about that. But if you're going to worry about it, unfortunately, feel bad for you. Listen to me. I'm getting ready to finish up this lesson tonight here. If a man is going to fish for fish, he must become their scholar before he becomes their master. He must go to the school in the brook to learn its ways and to fish for man. A man must learn man's nature, their prejudices, their tendencies, their courses for a man to catch fish. He must not only know their habits, but their tastes and their resort. He must humor them according to their different natures and adopt his instruments according to their peculiarities, providing a spare for some and a hook for others and a net for others and a bait for each one as one will. You got to study them is what it's saying to sit on a bank or a deck and say to the fishes, Here I am. I command you to come to me and bite the bait. It's just ridiculous. Go sit there and try to fish and tell the fish that. Come and bite the bait. The Christian's business is not to stand in an appointed place and say to men, Here I am. Come up and take what I give you as you should. The Christian's business is to find out what men are and to take them that by which they bite at. We got to learn the principles and concepts of the fishermen when we are dealing with fishing for men. We just think that people as Christians, we have this attitude like we know how how important the word of God is and how Eternity awaits us and all this. And we know all of that. And so we kind of treat people almost like, well, you better listen to me because I'm telling you the truth. And if you don't listen, oh, you don't know what's going to happen to you. You better listen. And so that's the kind of arrogance. And that's the kind of way we usually come off on people because we know that what we're saying is true. But that ain't how fishermen catch fish. <laughs> that ain't how fishermen catch fish. The fishermen study the fish. They know what time of the day they're biting. They know what kind of baits to use. They know what kind of instruments to use. They know what kind of net or fishing rod. or They know all of what to use. And so they use what they need to to catch the fish. What are we doing as children of God, as fishers of men? Do we know how men's tendencies are? Do we understand their natures? Do we know what they like? Do we know how to reach men? Or are we just throwing out the seed and says, well, you better come get this because you need to get this. If we're wondering why we haven't made impact and inroads and reaching the lost, it might just be because we're not studying We're not being scholars of men. We're not paying attention. We're ignorantly pursuing them and not stopping and figuring out and praying and say, God, show me where I have an in. Show me what they could, what what can I do to get their attention? Show me what will impress them to the point that I can reach them. We're just going out and says, "You, you better get this gospel. Jesus is coming. Let me close with this scripture. Acts chapter 17. Love the book of Acts. You're going to be a witness for Christ. You're going to be fishers of men. You better learn the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17, verse 22 says, finishing with this, this is the last text here. And we'll pick back up next week. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill 
and said, ye men of Athens, watch the words he used. I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. How would Paul get to that point? How does he come to a point of saying, I perceive? Paul, how are you going to say that to those men? Well, here's what he says. For as I pass by and beheld your devotions, Paul was watching them. He didn't just show up and start witnessing. He didn't just come on the scene and says, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is Lord. You need to be saved. Repent. He didn't show up and do that. Probably even just thought of, hey, what are they doing over there? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. What is that all about over there? Oh, okay. Okay. Just passing through and looking, paying attention. He says, for for as I passed by and beheld your devotion. He watched them have devotion. I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Paul says, I found an altar. So Paul was checking them out. Paul was looking around how they did devotion, how they did worship. Paul was checking them out to the point where he found an altar. He's like, all right, altar, that's a good thing. But then he looked at the altar and see some inscription in the altar to the unknown God. What are they doing? You're telling me they're having devotion and they don't know who they're having devotion to? But how did he know this? He was paying attention. He was scoping them out. If we're going to be fishers of men, that's what we got to do. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And so Paul began to minister to them because he knew what he could say to them because he already checked them out. He knew how to reach them because he already just investigated what they're all about. And I'm here to tell you, if we're going to be fishers of men, we better start finding out how fishermen catch fishes. Because now we are in the business of catching people. And just how fishermen prepared themselves and went about their business, we need to prepare ourselves and go about our business to fish for people. The Lord calling us to be fishers of men because he's got a great big plan for this world and we are a part of it those of us that have answered the call so i'm going to stop right here and next week we'll pick back up and talk a little bit more about it let's stand hallelujah hallelujah the call the call the call jesus is calling you Jesus have plans for you. Jesus wants to work in your life because he's coming back. He's a just God and he wants to give everybody a fair chance of responding to his call. You may have responded to his call, but will you help somebody else get a chance to respond to his call? If you want to guard your call to the point where you don't want to help anybody out, you might end up losing out on your call. If you think that just walking your life, living your life, minding your own business 
is what you're supposed to be doing, you might lose out on eternity doing that. Because once you answer the call, God has plans for you. He has purpose for you. And where you are right now isn't the place where you will always remain. He's got great things in store for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to our hearts tonight, for stirring us, Lord God, and for challenging us to let us understand, Lord, how much you want to see our world saved. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. It is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, God, you've called us to the kingdom for such a time as this, Lord God. And you have called us to be vessels and instruments, conduits that you may work through. Father, I pray that you will continue to challenge us. Challenge us real hard, Lord God, until reaching the lost, until becoming fishes of men becomes second nature to us, Lord God. Challenge us, Lord God, that we will open our mouth and speak the word of God, that we will open our mouth, Lord God, and do what you've called us to do, Lord God. And, oh, God, we will embrace it with joy, with gladness, almighty God, that we will truly trust in the Lord and do what you've called us to do. I pray, Lord God, that every person, Lord God, will come from out of their comfort zone and will move forward, Lord God, in being fishers of men, in answering the call with a resounding yes, and obeying you and following you, mimicking you, Lord God, to do what you've called us to do. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight. Hear our cry. Hear our heart. Speak to us. Lead us, almighty God. I pray that we will not be the same after tonight, Lord. I pray that we will not be the same after tonight, Lord God. Lord, help us to not be judgmental, Lord God. Remove from our heart and our mind that spirit of judgmentalness, Lord God. But give us a pure heart. Let us see people like you see them, Lord God. That we will reach for them, oh God, and not have any prejudice in us. And not have any biases in us, Lord God. But that we will reach for people, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, no matter the nationality, no matter the race, the kindred, the tongue. But we will reach for them because you created them. And as part of doing your will, as part of answering the call of God. God, impart to us, Lord God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding of God. Lord, will you work your work in us that, God, we will truly be vicious. Help us tonight, Lord. Help us tonight, Lord. Allow us to be sensitive to every person we encounter. Allow us, Almighty God, to have the right word. There's a hope in us. You, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And Lord, you are the hope that is in us. And we should have an answer for every man that asketh us, Lord.
Lord God. Will you help us to speak your word? Will you help us, Lord God, to rightly divide the word of truth? Will you help us, Lord God, to lead somebody to you, to lead them to salvation, Almighty God? Will you help us, Lord, to make a difference in somebody's life? Because, Lord, it is part of being in the kingdom of God. It is part of who we are as children of God. Fishers of men. Oh God, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We bless your name, oh great God. As we go from this place tonight, Lord God, will you keep your hands upon us? Oh God, will you deal with us? Don't let us go, Lord God, but deal with us, Lord God, where we will become passionate where we will become sensitive, where we will truly, almighty God, go beyond ourselves, trusting in you to do the work of the Lord, to reach our families, to reach our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. Oh, hallelujah. Ah, in the name of Jesus. We give you honor and praise tonight. Lord, you are strength and our redeemer. Oh, God, you are, oh, God, our reconciler. And, Lord, you have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Help us tonight, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We bless your name. The Lord is good. Your mercy everlasting. Your truth enduring all generations. We thank you tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. 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 Glory be to God. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. God bless your church. Have a great rest of your evening. Somebody grab the basket for anyone that wants to give an offering. I want to give an offering, so grab the basket. And for those of you who would like to give to the building fund tonight, please give an offering. God bless you.